Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. This is season five, episode 104. When victims unknowingly abuse other victims of narcissistic abuse. One thorn of experience is worth a whole wilderness of warning. James Russell Lowell. You know, I think the hardest part about healing from trauma, narcissistic abuse, childhood abuse, relationship abuse, is that who you were while you were surviving in the relationship is not who you desire to be, and it's not who you need to be on the other side once you've exited the relationship. Because if you continue to always be in survival mode, trigger mode, defense mode, then all your relationships after will be a disaster. And you'll be jumping from one relationship to the next, wondering, why can't I grab a foothold on gaining trust back in relationships? And if you're still in that survival mode, you're thinking, well, it just, they just must all be narcissists out there, right? And that's the thing that we have so much thought for the last year. And yes, there's a plethora of them, but I think the more and more as I ponder and grow out of this stage of blaming everyone for being a narcissist in my own journey is to see them for just who they are. They are emotionally crippled human beings. And that just means that they had trauma too that they had stuff, shit that they had to deal with and heal from and move forward and we all trigger each other. But the real question is, how do you handle those triggers? Can you hold space for the other person? And can you stop and listen? You know, maybe the way that you respond to their question triggers them and they feel like they have to be on the defensive because they haven't worked through their own insecurities, inadequacies, you know, childhood feelings of always being pushed aside or told that they were fat, dumb, and ugly, right? Those are things that they have inside them and that's how they view world in that lens. And so when you say something with good intentions, maybe helping them, answering a question for them, giving them advice, they themselves as a victim of narcissism can then lash out at you or you're lashing out at someone else. Whatever the case is, it just keeps the toxicity keeps passing from one person to the next just because the ego gets so much into the defense mode and you get triggered and you say, I'm never going to be treated that way. But then when you put up all those walls, then there's no room to let love in. And when you hate the oppressor, 
when you are, have so much hate and anger in your heart, there is a time and space for that. In your being able to get out and free from them and stop falling for their ploys and falling in love with them over and over, you have to hate them to distance yourself. But the, the tricky part and the dangerous part is when you stay stuck in the hate, even if this is about your religious upbringing, because Jesus never intended to be used as a pawn for all these, you know, horrible deeds that man thinks of and schemes. So even in religion, I'm starting to come back to the fact that I can't be angry about that either. I can't be angry. I can't control the devious motivations of that that religion, of even the people who put together the whole canon. I can't be angry at my ex for really battling and struggling with his own problems. Because in the end, you know, I, I, I truly love him and still love him as a soul. And I thank him for being that protagonist, I guess, to wake me up. But at the same time, him being a protagonist, he was really suffering. He now is a she. And so this whole time I thought that everything was my fault. I wasn't good enough in bed and I wasn't hot enough. I always made sure my nails were done, everything, right? High heels, be flexible like Gumby. But I think in his head, now that I think back on it and everything's hindsight is 2020, of course. 2020, when you're looking in hindsight, is that he might have felt so out of place. He may have felt like, why do I even have this appendage? I should be on the other end. Like, why can't I just have that? And maybe that's why he couldn't get it up a lot of times. But he, he has transitioned to be a female. And it's just just a thought, you know? It's like, and he wasn't, he didn't even feel safe enough to express that with me. I had no idea that might have been going on in his head. And maybe at the time, it wasn't, but I, I'm sure in the very, very back of his head, he was. He was thinking, this just feels off. I feel out of place, right? But he couldn't open up and talk to me about it. He had to blame me for being boring and, you know, all this stuff. So you just feel bad for them in the end, but you have to come to a place in your journey where you're not angry anymore. I've come to this point where, of course, I will still encounter people that trigger me people that may be narcissistic or just highly egotistical. But recently, I had a very interesting encounter, and the only reason I share this story is to just pose the question, can sometimes us victims be tornadoes in the path of other people's lives, just as the narcissist is because of our pain and our victimhood and our anger towards our oppressor and so recently um, I had a guest on the podcast that was referred to me well it wasn't recently I guess it was the very who knows what season it was um, so this has happened over time um, and so she came on the podcast she seemed a bit like not fully on her game which is fine all of us like I was going into the expectation also in this interview that she was, you know, coming from like a cult and she was a victim of a cult, which was not the case. It was actually one particular person 
Um, and so that all threw me off. And so like just all these little red flags that popped up. But and nevertheless, I always give people the benefit of the doubt as an empath and uh, listen to her story. Um, and she had a hard time even talking about it, which, you know, it, it's a safe space here in the podcast. So I don't force anybody to share any particulars. She didn't want to answer a lot of the questions, which again is fine. Um, but that's not very often. Usually people who are ready to share and heal are an open book. So there was that. And then she actually, a few weeks later, before I produced it, asked me if she could re-record because she just felt like it wasn't a good recording and she felt off. And I appreciated that because I could also sense that as well. So we did a whole nother full recording. And then that went really well. And then she asked if she could be, um, she could get my phone number and we could chat on the phone like friends. I don't really do that. I keep my podcast very professional. I continue to communicate and have relationships with my guests via email and, and DMs and things like that, but usually never via phone number, via text. So again, I was thinking, well, she needs somebody. She's alone. She's just coming out of this relationship from a narcissist and so I said yes. You know, I thought I could hold space for her, which I did for quite a few weeks. And she would text and call and kind of barrage me unintentionally. I think she just felt lonely. She just wanted to make a new friend. And so I felt a bit love bomby, but let's just not even label it that. Um, we're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt here. And so it just, um, yeah, I'd be on the phone for hours and my daughters would be asking me for food and like, who are you talking to? And my husband was like, who are you talking to? So it just became like this draining situation, even draining from my family. So I knew, okay, I've got to start putting boundaries up and say, you know, and I did tell her she was respectful. Like I've got kids, I got a family, like I can't talk today. You know, maybe we can just try and chat like once every couple weeks. And the thing is, is that's great to communicate that, but at the same time, usually friendships that naturally ebb and flow, you don't have to like communicate when you're gonna talk to each other, like the frequency, it just organically happens. Like you go and do your thing, you have life, and then a few weeks later, or a few, sometimes I guess days, but really it's weeks, like life happens, and you get back together, and you feel like time never passed, right? And you're talking to the person. With this, it just felt like an effort just to put distance between myself, which was also a red flag. So if you're questioning yourself, second-guessing yourself, you're in a situation like this, and you feel like you're trying to be the better person, the healer, the light in that person's life, but also having to draw boundaries, just know that that's a red flag, and there's nothing wrong with you in drawing those boundaries that just means that that person's really needy. Maybe they need to pay a professional to be talking through everything they're talking through with you for free on the phone. You know, hint, hint, just, just a thought. Better help. Maybe they can help you more than me because we all have lives and we all need to be able to not always be sitting and being our friend's therapist. So that happened. And then um, she got to the point where she was really struggling um, financially and she does have coaching clients and such and so she's like oh they just haven't paid me yet and so she felt comfortable enough to ask me for money and at the time I just had a couple hundred as well in from the book and I was like well 
I really would like to help you. I feel guilty not giving you money, but I, I don't have like enough. I don't have enough on my budget for everything I need to pay for to give you or donate you money as a friend. And that's how I felt in the instance. And then I conveyed this to my husband and he was like, who in the world who just met you only through the internet would ask you for money? Like we have personally been in financial dire straits in the past and have never even asked our family. Like we hated asking our family for money. I don't even think we did ask our family for money. We just found a way, right? We found government programs, food stamps, because she was saying, you know, she needed to feed herself. And I was like, oh, my God, guilt, guilt, pulling out my heartstrings. But I just couldn't. And she was like, it's cool. I don't want it to wreck our friendship. If you say no. And it's, it's true. She was trying to be as mature and genuine as possible. And I appreciate that. But it also was like another boundary really pushed. Like, it just felt really icky. And... I'm not shaming anyone who needs to reach out and like advocate for themselves and to help. This just, there was just some covert undertone to this. And again, she'll advantageously disagree that it was just kind of like entitlement. Like we had known each other long enough. She had felt close enough that she could ask. And she said, of course you can say no. So I did, but it just still put my guard up and I guess you know she sensed that and she's like you know I really just want to work on our friendship and yada yada I was like okay okay you know I've been there I've been there where I've needed people so I reconnected with her and then it's just kind of one thing after another started to get more and more she got more defensive towards me then so she was asking me advice about her business I would let's just be friends as entrepreneurs then she started asking me advice about her podcast. I had joined being a coach of a podcast. I had just done a seminar. So I had some really good wealth of information from some top, top podcasters. And, um, you know, I was giving her openly my thoughts, my advice, what I've heard, like regurgitating what I just went through in the coaching. And she just got so defensive. I don't know if it was the way I worded it, maybe as a Virgo, but she was like, oh, well, like she was asking specifically for a mic. I've researched mics extensively and she just didn't receive it. She actually pushed back and she got upset at me that I was giving her advice. I'm like, but you asked for it. So I'm really confused and I feel really unsafe to even like answer your questions anymore because they just she just got more and more defensive. Like she knew everything and she knew better. And the last one was like, oh, well, you just aren't my demographic. You just wouldn't understand. And I was like, Probably, but also kind of I am, but kind of like you just stomped on me when you opened the door and you asked me a question. Like, am I just supposed to agree with you every single time? Which gets really exhausting in a relationship. I'm sure you can relate. So I'm sharing with you this so you don't feel alone because I just kept it to myself because I thought it was just me and hers weird like astrology mismatch. And then um, another fellow podcaster whom I have produced her show and helped coaching her and now doing this summit, a colleague, um, she's, she had a similar experience. I, I just saw an email from her that she had been on her podcast and I just felt like I don't want to gossip. I don't want to be a bad person, but I need to warn her like this is my experience. It may not happen with you and this may not be. 
So I did, and she completely was like, oh my gosh, my spidey senses were off too. And she was hounding me and asking me right away and asking me to interview right away and like being really pushy and almost entitled, which is how she was starting to get with me towards the end of our relationship. And she just maybe was moving into super Aries emboldened, I don't know, like toxic Aries emboldened. uh, Anyways, so she's relating to me and she's like, I'm so glad you brought this up because I would have just sat here in confusion and like, is it me? Like, did I do something wrong? Should I allow her to whatever she's asking for, like essentially walk all over me? And so me just reaching out gave her that space to say, okay, like it is okay for me to draw my boundaries. So this is why I share this story with you is for you, if you're listening, you're not alone. If your spidey senses are off, if you feel like it's really difficult to maintain a relationship with this person and putting up your boundaries, having to even put up boundaries about how often you talk to them. I mean, simple things like that, that should just organically flow with someone who respects your time and you, then I think definitely it is it is something to think about, distancing yourself from that person in that relationship. And so in the end, I said, you know what? I just, I can't keep feeling unsafe. Like every time she would bounce back from my advice, my gut would drop. Every time she would text through, my gut would drop. It's like when that happens, you know, you need to distance yourself and just put some time and space in between you to see if this relationship should really be worked on or if the distance is really what you need. Uh, Sometimes it can be like with family members where I was really processing, like we're talking about the anger and I said some stuff and I mislabeled, you know, my parents for being narcissistic. And, uh, you know, I just really think it's all about our emotional skills. And I just felt like I needed to label it. And I think that was last year's energy. But this year we don't need the label. We need to bridge the divide. We need to just call a spade as a spade. Okay, you're not as emotionally intelligent as I wish or expected, or you're doing the best you can, and I'm just really wanting this. And again, my Akashic record with Jacqueline completely sealed the deal about like, just drop the expectations. That contract is over. Them being your parents, that contract is over. Like, it's okay. Like, you don't need to expect them to be your parents, your all in all. Now they can be these new people that you can develop a relationship if you want or not. And I'm finding that it is quite enjoyable just to come to conversations on the phone with my parents with that perspective versus expecting them to be the parents I always wanted them to be, which allowed me to drop my anger towards them, towards my upbringing. It's even allowed me to drop my anger towards the religion I was raised in and it's been really transformative. So all of these stories and all of this to say, victims can also hurt victims. When we are in our ego and we're processing and we're, you know, I guess not being as elevated and soul intelligent as possible, then we're going to hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. And when you hang on to that anger, you're going to be hurting others who are trying to help you. And when you're still opening up the doors to those who are claiming to be victim and very covertly, you know, joining your club, but then they still have anger, then you don't want to let those people in too close either. So I learned that 
And it was a lesson and a blessing and a lesson that I wish uh, this friend who I just encountered, who my other colleague just encountered, we both actually consider her a dear gift in a lesson and wish her the best in her soul's journey and her healing because she kept correcting me because I kept thinking and she kept appearing to kind of put off that she was a fresh victim. She has been fighting narcissists her whole life. And so maybe her identity has then become attached to an angry warrior fighting narcissist her whole life. And I think hopefully her soul will speak through to her and say, you know what, it's time to put your sword down. It's time to let go of that anger. And anyone else who might be fighting and struggling with that anger, it's time to put that black sword down because it's not helping you at all. It's not wielding, you know, the voice of truth. It's not wielding uh, honor and integrity. It's wielding hate, division, anger, and it's clouding your judgment and clouding your future to have healthy and beautiful relationships with emotionally intelligent other empaths and other emotionally, you know, developmental striving people. So I just wanted to leave you with that information, hurt people, hurt people, and a quote that I wrote down, one last quote. If you hate your oppressor, you are not going to find your peace. Dr. Elizabeth Schrader Poltzer. This was in the suppression of Mary Magdalene episode, Pulling on the Red Thread, on the podcast, The Time of the Feminine, the Global Sisterhood podcast. I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show, and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need What you need we're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic.